Hey everyone and welcome to 121 in Flux, I am Peter, that is Connor, and we talk about movies on this show. And this episode is actually the winner of our last Patreon vote. Uh, the four options last month for our patrons to vote on was uh, Akira Kurosawa films, and the winner was, as you can see in the title, The Hidden Fortress. So that's what we're going to talk about. We'll start spoiler free, as we always do, we'll give you a warning before we go into spoilers later on in the middle somewhere, and we'll go from there. So. That's what we're going to do. And this one's notable, Connor. Why is it notable? You're, you're a fan of why this is notable. I, I am, I am. Of course, this is uh, the infamously one that uh, inspired Star Wars. That Lucas ripped off for Star Wars, yes. I mean, no no more than any of the Westerns. <laughs> Just tr- okay, sure, sure. Uh but we, we do have two goofballs that are R2-D2 and C-3PO, and we do have a princess who's a bit more of a badass than she's supposed to be. Yeah, yeah, the, the princess and, you know, you know the, the, the general, the, the guards, that, that's definitely there, but I, I think that's actually, like, less of the inspiration. Yeah, it's there, but I don't think that's as much a part of it as the, as the two goofballs. Two goofballs. I think those are the, okay. the core inspiration, for me, anyway. You think the princess being kind of Leia-esque is just kind of coincidence, almost? Almost. I, I mean, I'm sure it's it's partly inspired. I'm sure because you know so much of the movie is is yeah. clearly it, it, that. But I don't think it's the necessarily the main inspiration. Now, I'd seen this before. Had you? Yes. You had seen. Okay, so we've both seen this before. Um, this is a film about, as we say, two goofballs were in feudal Japan, and the two goofballs were in an army that have lost. Their 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 clan is lost. And they are they're down a luck. They they're, they're actually you know kept as uh, slaves for a while, but then they escape during a, a bit of chaos, and they're kind of on their own. They think they've found some gold, and they eventually run into this this like samurai, this really scary dude. Uh, of course, played by Toshiro Mifun, who is in a lot of these movies. In fact, he was in Samurai One, Masashi Miyamoto, which we did a couple of weeks ago. He's in a lot of Kurosawa's films. And he's like, you know, your typical samurai who shows up and he's kind of intimidating, they're kind of scared of him. Um, and the entire plot revolves around the fact that he is actually working for the princess, Princess Yuki, who is, you know, the princess of the, the clan that, that lost. So since she's in enemy territory and they have to try and sneak her across the border uh, to get back to safe land. And that's kind of what the movie becomes about. And they kind of get the help of the, the two goofballs uh, by promising them some gold. Uh, but they're constantly trying to like steal it and run away. Um, and that's that's kind of who they are as characters, um, and it's this it's this journey. And the princess sort of like sees how the people really live, and she she, you know, is again she's a very tough character. She's very she, she's like upset that anyone wants to try and protect her. She wants to like fight herself. She wants to get in there and stuff like that. So that's kind of what the film is. Um, so I assume you like it anyway. I do, yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. It's very much a more light-hearted Kurosawa film. Uh, there is a couple of deep little notes you can take here or there, uh, but it's definitely one of his more adventure films. It is. I think I think I've seen most of his samurai movies at this point, um, and this is maybe my least favorite. It's still a good movie. Oh, really? But it's maybe my least favorite of the samurai movies. I wouldn't say that. I wouldn't say that. There's definitely a couple that I... Um, it's not even just so much that there's a couple I like less. I think this is solid mid-range of his samurai films. Well, fair enough. I, I, I guess I'd put that... I, 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 think I, I mean, it's, lo- it's a pretty high bar, admittedly. Yeah, as we're talking about Kira Kurosawa. Uh, but I, I think for me, the it's it's a really entertaining one. It's really funny. I like the characters a lot. Uh, the two goofballs, particularly in the opening scenes, or not the opening scenes of the movie, but the opening scenes where they first run to uh, Maccabi, who's Mifune's character, 
and he's just like standing in the background and they've, they've found this piece of gold and they're like trying to find oh that was in a, that was hidden inside a stick where did you find that stick and they're trying to like find in the rubble they're looking for and they're just these greedy characters who want gold that's all That's all they want they want to build their own C-3PO apparently um, and they're just looking through they're just trying to find, find gold and he's just there and they're like oh we need to hide no don't, don't show him he's, he's mean he, he'll take all our gold from us and they, they, they try and hide and he just kind of keeps coming towards them and he ends up showing up and uh, all of it plays out, and obviously it's in Japanese, but a lot of this is purely visual of them, like sort of going oh, and just hiding and trying to get yeah. away and all that stuff. Um, in fact, the the princess later on in the film, she uh, pretends to be mute because one of the things they're worried about. There's a couple of other generals who are kind of sort of sending them off on this this trip. They're worried that because she is royalty, because she is uh, of of this high class that she'll never pass for a regular common girl because they wouldn't talk or act like her. So their plan is just to have her to pretend to be mute and never say anything. Um, it's a reasonable it, plan. It's a reasonable plan. I, I think you could probably analyse that a little bit. You know, just the idea that, oh, you, you can't show that you're smart or you can't do that. You have to just pretend to be the... You know, I, I think there's maybe some sexism commentary going on here a little bit. And then, of course, the stuff with the princess is that she actually wants to see like how the, the, the how our regular common people actually live and see their own struggles and she feels the own, the own guilt she doesn't want to just be in her ivory tower and you know not be affected by anything and look down on the peasants if you will she she actually cares about her people she wants to see them and she goes out of her way to try and help a couple uh, along the way so that's that's, that's probably the, the deepest the film gets it's kind of her journey she, if, if anything she's the one with the biggest um actual story arc uh yeah definitely most of them don't they kind of just go on the adventure yeah because Maccabi is just kind of the, the straight warrior he's you know he's noble he's honorable uh maybe a little bit tired but you know that's who he is and that, that's that's yeah. him at the start it's kind of him at the end he's just he's there for the journey um the two goofballs do kind of have an arc it's, it's very it's very uh weighted though to the end yeah because so this is the like, final like five minutes this is a surprising thing watching this because I, I remembered you know what the story was roughly but i'd forgotten that they don't actually have any growth until the final like three minutes of the film because the, yeah. they're they're still trying to just run away with the gold throughout the entire thing yeah it's right till the end where they're like okay fine and i think that's what's impressive about it is the character work here is that they shouldn't be that likable because they're always doing this they're never they're never they never like agree that oh this is important we want to help the princess they, they, they're they like constantly second guessing and going oh maybe we could go and turn around and get the reward for you know for turning the princess in they're constantly yeah. like you know scheming like that but they're so they're so idiotic and you know they're never going to achieve any of it you know that every time they try it's going to be fumbled either by themselves by Maccabi by the princess um I, I, even even that scene, just, that, just circumstance as well at times. Yeah, circumstances. Because going going back to the whole, she has to pretend to be mute thing. There's scenes where they'll just they, they assume she's deaf, so they they just like concoct the oh, plans in front of her. I I think the the first scene where they go over that might be one of my favorites. Where you know one of them's like he starts talking, the other one says, "Hey, no, no, she's 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 mute, not deaf. We can't tell in front of her." And the one's like, "Don't be an idiot." Everyone knows that mute people are mute because they can't hear themselves speak. <laughs> that just kills me. What? Well, well, he's like, oh, yeah, all right, I suppose you're right. What I love about it is that, again, go back to the idea that she has to pretend she's not smart enough because it would, it would make her stick out, uh, is that these two are so dumb and she's sitting there 
a really smart person in listening and pretending that she's not com- you know comprehending what they're saying and just just waiting to see what they how do. she doesn't roll her eyes i have no idea now she has a very stern face she, has, she also has the stand she always has where she always kind of like puts her legs far apart and she's like holding her cane it's, it's like she's ready yeah. for a duel she's always kind of ready like yeah yeah like i'm standing yeah, my ground yeah yeah, yeah but no, it's a very funny film there's a lot of again those two characters are very comic relief um, there's a great little kind of funny twist early on because uh, obviously the hidden fortress is uh, this hidden base near the start of the film where the princess is hiding and you know the two peasants uh, were near there when they when they find this gold and eventually Maccabi comes and kind of like ends up sitting with them at the campfire and all the rest of it and he makes them like follow him like you know up this mountain and round this big sort of rocky cliff and they eventually see this hidden fortress down in this like pit it's like sort of well surrounded by everything and they eventually climb down and they are so tired and exhausted when they get there they're like you know they're sweating they're like ready to collapse and you know Mikabi's like oh this is the race ready let's come and you know get, get things ready and he basically just like leads them through this like this cave entrance and they come out the other end and then when they get out the other end, they'll, they turn around and look up, and it's so recognisable. The first time we saw Maccabi was at the top of this slope, and they look yeah. around, and it's that slope, and they're like, "Shit, why didn't you tell us it was a shortcut?" And it's this really funny moment when they, they they've traipsed around and done all this climbing, and there's just like an entrance to go straight through. Yeah. Um, yeah. But it's it's really funny, and I think it's one of those jokes that it passes the language barrier. I mean, don't get me wrong, subtitles make everything work anyway, but the timing of this is still perfect even if you don't speak Japanese because it's a pure visual gag it's like you see the slope and you realise wait a minute the joke you know, yeah. the joke's in the image it's not in the dialogue it's it beautiful is, yeah. you, you, you understand it as they see it as well uh, absolutely uh, so you're kind of along for the, the ride in that sense um, but yeah so they're very good they're, those two actors uh they're they're very funny. They're they're very likable as they're being scheming and as they're as they're plotting and you know yeah. being weasels essentially. Because they're not awful people. They're just selfish. Yes. But like you know, because they're not actively trying to hurt anyone or anything like that. They just want the gold for themselves. Yeah, yeah. And there's there's a lot of fun little parts when they end up losing a horse, and they oh we'll get a cart instead, and it cuts to them like there's there's those two pulling the cars like. Oh, oh, that was a great idea. Get a cart, yeah. yeah now wheel the horses, and just dragging it along. Just yeah, them there is a lot of that. Yeah, them bickering and complaining is actually really enjoyable to watch. Uh, it but, is. Yeah. Again, that's the sort of thing that could very easily not be. So, you know, craft. Yeah, no, you're right. Craft, yeah. um, and then obviously Mifun is 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 a uh, Maccabi. He he has the presence. Like every as soon as he first steps into the frame. He's this like interesting, mysterious figure. Uh, yeah, it's almost a very standard role for him. I think that's almost intentional, though, because the main characters are the goofballs, and the, the whole idea is we're following them. It's, it's almost like okay, so just to reference the hit television show Buffer the Vampire Slayer for oh, a second. There we go. Right, so you, you know the Zeppo, the episode in season three where we follow Xander, right? Yeah. And he's the goofball, yeah. right? And the idea in that episode is that all this end of the world stuff's happening, but we're following him. And it turns out that, oh, it's, you know, like, the actual end of the world plot feels so generic when you actually stop and think about what they're all doing. But that's okay, because the whole point is, no, there's a typical end of the world thing going on, but he's kind of the weirdo side character, and we'll follow him instead and what he's doing. And I think for this movie to work, 
is that the actual plot of what the samurai and the princess are doing has to be almost like a typical story. It has to be simple and yeah, straightforward because the whole idea is that there's a, a generic sci-fi, a generic samurai movie happening, but we're following these two weird characters instead who are just kind of along yeah. for the ride and how they interpret things and how they're constantly scared and constantly try to run away and they don't have a hero's journey. Uh, their entire journey is... Oh, uh, maybe we should not like try and betray each other every two minutes. No, you're right, and I think that sentiment there at its core is is you know the biggest inspiration for Star Wars there because you know if if you strip stars down, it's pretty standard, right? It's it's just basically just you know take your your standard Arthurian myth and you know just whack it in space. But it's it's like a lot of it is is the perspective of the two weird characters with with three PO and R two. Yeah. Uh, so much of it is from them just kind of almost narrating over things and just giving their oddball opinions and beeps. At least in the first one, yeah. It, it can, I think it veers yeah. away from that as it as it goes. It just yeah, kinda... yeah, but the first one specifically. Yeah. Um, like, I mean... Uh, I was going to say, even, even the first one, though, I think that veers away from those two characters more than this film does from its two goofballs. It, it does, yeah. Um, it does. But they're, they're, they're still kind of always there throughout most of the movie until like, the final act because actually there's a side character I, i'll give the spoiler warning here i think just, just so i can freely talk about the 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 the, the, the advancements of the characters but so full spoilers there's a there's a side character there's this other general who's for the uh the controlling army in this region right and there's a big scene uh later on where because the, the whole point is they try to go unnoticed so they keep doing things because because at one point the, the peasants are like Oh, what are we going to do with all the gold that's hidden, hidden in all the firewood? And he's like, oh, we'll leave it out in the open because then that's not suspicious. But if we try and hide all our firewood, that looks really weird. You know, that's the point he's making. Um, so there's a lot of that going on. But eventually, they're, they're on the cart, and a couple of troops basically see them as suspicious, and they come back. Even though they think they've gotten away with it at first, they come back, and McCabe's like, okay, right, they're figuring us out. I'm just going to have to try and quickly kill them so they can't go back and report us. And he ends up chasing, like, you know, the one guy in the horse away, and he gets to the camp. And this other general guy comes out, and it turns out to be someone that he knows. This is someone because the, the general's like, "Oh, Maccabi, I always wish we'd fight in battle. I, I, I wish that I could meet you in the battlefield uh, and yeah, have an honourable fight." Uh, uh, I, I don't know if they know each other that well personally, or it's just by reputation. Yeah, it may just be like they both know that they're the best of the best of opposing forces, and yeah. he wants to like duel them. So all the other troops just stand back and. We get this very. This is the thing. Like the the movie's so much about just following the the, the peasants and their side of this. It, the, this scene on its own almost jumps out. Well, this is a really impressive fight scene. All of a sudden, like, yeah, and it's it's quite this extended sequence away from the other characters. Yeah, because well, it goes on for a reasonable amount of time. This. Yeah, one of the only because there's all these um, uh, like sheets. It's, it's like it's like divider, uh, makeshift walls almost outside. Just like it's not not tents because there's no roof, but it's just like dividers. Yeah. For some privacy, I guess. Uh, but they're like they're fighting between those, and they've both got spears. Uh, in fact, I love just one of the little subtle touches in the performance. I like is uh, at the start of the fight, uh, he's like, "All right, I've got my spear. It's the best one, but you can pick any other spear from any of the other troops here." And he goes around and he like grabs a, you know, he, he takes a few off a couple of different soldiers, and he sort of tests them and swipes them a little bit and stabs them in the ground, and he keeps throwing them back. And every every time someone like every time he does anything, they all just sort of like go back in fear. Yeah, they, yeah, they all go back a few steps every yeah. time. Uh, and I, I thought that was really funny because it, it was like, even though he's surrounded by the army, like theoretically he should have no chance. He's strolling around like he's in charge. Yeah, but he he just he commands the scene. It's so good. Uh, yeah. 
But then they have the drill, and it's really well filmed. Obviously, the film's shot in a 2.35, uh, so it's nice and wide, your big, big vistas. Works well, especially for the drill, especially when you've got these long weapons like the spears, so you're getting the the, the width of everything. But the, the fight ends, and the the general is lost and he kneels down and he wants them he wants to kill he wants them to kill him he's like no no give me the honorable death I, I'm you know I'm a soldier I'm a samurai put me down and he doesn't he shows him mercy and he hates this because eventually later on in the film he like you know he he when he, but they actually eventually get captured out in the battlefield and they capture the princess and him and uh, he's like oh you sh- you know you showed me uh, mercy I, I, the humil- humiliation I felt because of that. And it's the princess, you know, who's standing there's like, no, you don't understand. Mercy's the kindest thing he could have done. That's the honourable thing. And it's not too... And he's... I said the princess has got the biggest character arc. It might actually be this general guy who who's only in, like, three scenes. But he yeah. does kind of have the biggest turn. And, but I think that's, kind of, again, kind of the point is that that almost happens just... We see glimpses of it, but otherwise it's off-camera. And it's like, oh, no, this, this big story's happening where he becomes an ally and actually helps him escape at the end. Um, yeah. And it's the idea that you know the princess going through and like her compassion and her wanting like no we should not uh, we we shouldn't worship you know control and obedience we should worship kindness and compassion and that's the type of ruler I want to be and she wants to convince him of that as well you you can be this you don't have to be part of this system and uh, but again the idea that this is all happening because you know we, again this is like probably the only second time we really go away from the goofballs the one is the duel. And then here when they're captured and the goofballs are kind of just on their own. If if anything, there's just a funny scene towards the, in this part where they go and try and turn them in and like, ha, we already captured them hours ago. Go home, you idiots. And they just laughed yeah. at. Um, but I, I think I think that's kind of part of the point again is that like we have these big story beats happening and we see some of it, of course, enough to like know what's going on. Um, but it's all it's almost like a little distant because again we're we're following the goofballs and it's all just like. How much it affects them, it's, and they don't it care. It is still one step removed from the plot, isn't it? Yeah, uh, but it oddly kind of works in this movie. It does, yeah. Uh, and I think it's a great sign that Kurosawa is such a master of his craft that he, he was able to do this story that's detached from the main characters, make it work, make it have its own impact, and have great scenes on its own. Because uh, I think all those characters are really interesting. Maccabi, the princess, the little general—they're all interesting characters, and they all like steal their yeah. scenes when they're there. But ultimately you know we end and they, they pick up the two goofballs at the end and she's back in her, her palace and like oh you, here's a reward and it's like one bit of gold between them and don't because obviously there's been several times throughout the film where they promise to never betray each other again but then as soon as one of them has some immediately gold, backstab each other yeah uh, my favorite one of course is when they get the horses in the battlefield just just as the others are getting captured and like oh no I'll, I've got this horse well I've got these three horses I'll take these with the gold you, you go and they, immediately they start bickering um, so the one bit of growth they have is in the final scene when they're walking down the palace steps. It's like they're actually offering it to each other, and like they they finally seem to have learned to like stick by each other. Which again, that's kind of what all the other characters have been doing is they're they're learning to stick by each other. The generals yep. learn to stick by him, and now that he understands the honor of him and and all the rest of it. So, um, and or even just the idea of the 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 slave that she the, the princess insists that Maccabi pay for to free and bring yep. with them. Um, who just joins them and they're like no go sure, away yeah. we're, we're, we're in danger you shouldn't be with us and she's like no I'm staying with you yeah she, she just frees her actually and then yeah but the, the girl decides to just come and try and help and again it's this honour compassion kindness she wants to repay the, the kindness yeah. and help out um, 
so there's some really nice themes in there there's some really human themes um and it's the whole thing is basically don't be a greedy little shitball <laughs> pretty much yeah. uh but they're, they're a lot of fun to watch when they're being greedy little shitballs so it, it kind of has its cake and eat it too so um it's funny because the last movie we talked about was jaws and i talked about how that's essentially like a, a very straightforward adventure film and it's a summer blockbuster but it's really well crafted and it's like it's not insulting to your intelligence it's really well done i think this falls into a similar vein actually almost where it's a really light film from kurosawa but it's really well it crafted is, yeah. everything fits together it's entertaining completely the two hours fly in i think Okay, I feel like maybe it's uh, slightly overlong. Uh, you know, there, there's so many steps where they go through and then you know backstab mm. each other. I feel like maybe it does those events maybe once too many. Like you could okay. cut one of them out, cut out like fifteen minutes. Yeah, maybe right, maybe right. Um, just, just I, in my opinion, would tighten it up a little. But I mean, it's nothing that major. I tell you what, Alex. So there's, there's a scene where they're hiding out at first, and there's like a parade going on. Uh, it's just this ritual where they all burn wood and the, the f- fire ceremony yeah and they decide oh we'll blend in by just being part of that group and then like lots of soldiers show up lots of samurai and they're like oh they're, anyone who looks suspicious we'll have to search them so they have to stay with the group and all I could think was did you really think blending in because like, their gold's hidden in the firewood did you really think blending in with a place where they're all going to burn their wood and it'll look suspicious if you don't want to burn your wood do you think that was a smart idea? So the the, the two the two goofballs really don't want to burn the wood. They're really against it. And Maccabi has to come in like, no, 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 that's looks suspicious. And he just grabs the, the cart and just puts the wood out of the flames. Uh, yeah, I, I assume the original plan was that they'd, they'd trail along and just kind of slip out before they got to the ceremony. Mm-hmm. Just, but, you know, then, then all the soldiers showed up and they just had to go all the way. Yeah, and then they had to like dance. And I, I, what I love about the dancing is they're just kind of going along with it. Except the princess, who's never clearly done this, and is actually happy to be a part of this celebration. Like it's a part yeah. of the life that she's never got to experience. And it's a really neat scene. And I, I love them just searching the dirt afterwards and how the goofballs are determined to find every single piece. Yeah. And there's a great moment where McCabe's like, "Okay, I can carry forty pieces." Uh, you two can carry 30 each and then the, the girls can carry 20 and they're like oh we can carry I can carry 40 but I can carry 50 and then you see them try to put on their sacks full of gold and they're just like they can't even stand up and like Maccabi has to yeah. pick them up uh, it's, again, and of course it's... They, they have to they have to run away here because you know people start coming back well actually no and, and... They, they all leave and then the goofballs come back because like, yeah, no, we want to dig more gold like, we, we want more yeah we uh, want all of it we, this wasn't enough so again, it's the greed. The greed gets them in trouble, uh, it does, yeah. as it does again. But uh, they're just determined to, because these randomers like come around. What are you doing? And they sort of like saunter off, and then they run. And again, they only look suspicious because they start running. Like they constantly get themselves into their own trouble, and that's they do. Yeah, you know, it's just. It's just I that's, mean, that's right from um, the start of the movie. Obviously, you know, we meet them, and then they they're like, you know, we'll oh we go our own separate ways, and then immediately both of them just get captured. Yeah, immediately get captured. It's not until the uh, the chaos happens, uh, well, there's like a, a riot where they get to escape from uh, Which, uh, the prison yeah. camp. Which I, I think actually that might be the most direct scene that was uh, you know taken for Star Wars. Uh, oh, you know, with uh, yeah. them on Tatooine, you know, going the going the separate ways, and then both ending up with the Jawas. Yeah, no, that's that's true. Um... And I don't know how you say uh, Maccabi represents it. He's, he's a little bit of Obi Wan. 
Yeah, I think he's supposed to be uh, Obi Wan, but in more of an uh, original draft. Because like I say he's the he's the general that she you know that, yeah. that Leia reaches out for help. Yeah, essentially, yeah. So you, you obviously but, you can see how things have changed, but yeah, it's definitely yeah. Yeah, it's definitely yeah I think at, at the core idea, that's where that was. Uh, yeah, I think this one goes really nicely with Yojimbo and Sanjuro as the lighter tone, just fun like yeah. action samurai movies, um, and then but you know then you'd have your more serious ones like Seven Samurai, and you know so on and so forth. Uh, so no, I, I think the movie's gorgeous. It looks really great. There's a lot of fantastic looking see. stuff. So great cast. Um, uh, music's solid. It, obviously, the music's very like. I feel like a lot of these movies from this era, from Japan specifically, have very similar sounding scores. I can't really differentiate them. I agree. Yeah. Uh, in my head, too much. But I mean, it's you know, it's, it works for the movie. It works fine. Yeah, it, it does what it's meant to. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, so no, it's it's, it's it's a really it's a really, um, really entertaining film. Uh, I think ultimately is what I'd come down to. I'd forgotten just how much fun it was watching these characters yeah. bicker and run I, I away from I think it does boil down McCabe. to being fun. It does. It does. And that sometimes that sounds like an insult. You're, you're, you're forgiving it for other things. And we're not. It's actually extremely well put together and crafted. It, this is... It is it, yeah. it, this is why I, I when we talk about like modern movies and people use, oh, well, it's fun, no, so just let away with things. It's like, no, but there's fun movies that don't have to be let away with things. There's fun movies that are I, just. I feel like we just had well-made. this conversation in Jaws. We did, we did. It was the same thing. The last time I, I compared it to it is that there's a very similar yeah. thing where kind of kind of a weird double feature for these two films to be back to back. Yeah, we kind of kind of is. I mean, you, we'd ways. never have predicted that beforehand. Going, yeah, oh, those two. Yeah. Oh yeah, they, they sound nothing alike, right? There's not, nothing. You know, plot, nothing alike. Um, well, I mean, even I mean, hell, we're t- saying Star Wars is loosely inspired by it, like. Star Wars ultimately is a fun adventure movie. It's not a deep movie. No, absolutely. But it's pretty well crafted. I mean, as I understand that it was the editing room that saved a lot of it. <laughs> apparently, George quite, Lucas. Quite, quite possibly. Yeah. I'm not going to dispute that. Appar- apparently, George Lucas shot so much crap that the editing room was the the, the saving grace for that one. Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm not going to dispute that. Yeah. But uh, hey, he, he shot enough crap that he, that there was enough there to work with. Clearly. Yeah, but how much? Or how how over budget did he go? How many how many extra days of shooting could have been cut from if he just you know done it properly? I mean, you say that, but they gave him a bigger budget for the next one, so clearly it made enough. That's well, that's true. It didn't make enough, but they also gave it to a different director. I think also they, they did. That's that's telling. Yeah, worth pointing out. Uh, the acclaimed director of RoboCop Two, I think you'll find. Um, Hey and guys, we'll be doing all the Robocop movies in a, a year or two's time because they're doing a new Robocop. So you can look forward we to will, those. We will. It's going to be fun. Yeah. Well, two of them will be fun. Yeah. What two will be fun, one will be interesting, and then the remake will be like, uh. Yeah, we might we might be able to get away with not doing that. No, I feel like I need to. I, I want to. I want to do it. I, I, want... every, I mean, every so often that poster pops up on some streaming service or other where I'm just scrolling through and I see it and I go, ugh. I never want to watch that. It wasn't even like the worst thing I've ever seen. It was just, it just looks so generic and boring. I'll tell you this: it won't be the worst film we've done because we did AVP two, so Robocop remake is better than that. I can guarantee you that. It's a pretty low bar, but I'll take it. <laughs> it's a low bar. There's not many bars that go lower than AVPR or Alien vs Predator Requiem. That's a horrible acronym. No. Just AVP two. Why not just AVP two? 
because dick bags. Even that sounds like a f- like, honestly four letter acronyms like they need to have a certain ring to it to work. I feel like there's nothing you can put after AVP. P sounds like the ending. It sounds, you know, a conclusion to the to the phrase. Mm. You could put R before P and it'd sound alright. AVRP, that rolls. But AVPR. Yeah, I'm, so I'm just going through my head trying to use various letters after P and seeing if any of them work. I feel like you could do it with a similar letter like PB or PD. Or even V again, AVPV. Yeah, you have to have that same ring to it. Like, like one yeah. of those would work after it. I never expected this conversation to happen during the discussion of an Akira Kurosawa uh, film, <laughs> which is this the, no, uh, that's the second one we've done. We did uh, Bad Sleep Well, Bad Sleep Well, which was also which was fantastic. Um, yes, I think this is the this is the first samurai one we've done. It is. It's not even the first Japanese samurai because we did, we did samurai one a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, um, yeah. It's the first Kurosawa samurai. And we'll be doing the second one probably in the not too distant future, but uh, there'll definitely be more Kurosawa coming at some point. Um, oh, of course. I like Kurosawa, I like Hitchcock. It's kind of like we should probably make a point of doing at least one of their films a year. Because we're not going to yeah, run probably. out. They've got, they've got plenty. They both have like 30, yeah. 40 films to do. It's fine. <laughs> yeah, no, we're, that's true. We're good into our 60s. It's fine. Um, yeah. But, yeah, so. Yeah, I, I I think um, no, I I like this one quite a little bit. I, I feel like this one um, has an energy to it. Where I you know I, I think there's some other films that are well acclaimed. Now, admittedly, I might change my opinion when I see them again. But you know, Kagamusha, I I don't remember loving too much. Um, I enjoyed Ran, but I did feel the length of Ran. It's funny because those are the two that, that notably are the two that I've not seen yet. Because Ran is like Ran looks great. The, the color usage in Ran is great. It's almost like a video game actually. You, 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 see, see when you find out the sort of the plot of Ran, you'll be like, oh this feels very video gamey. Uh but and obviously video games I mean they did exist but not not in the style not of Not to that level. Yeah. yeah. Um So I like Ran. Kagamusha I I don't remember being particularly fond of. But I mean to be honest that is like maybe the only Kurosawa film I've seen that I wasn't super into. Like the, yeah. the dude has a very strong bar yeah like I said, I've not seen all, all of them obviously but I've seen enough to know you know I, I like most of them yeah and, uh, this this is probably on my lower end but clearly I'm still very positive about this movie this may be controversial and I might change my mind when I see it again but I, I do think I like this more than Rashomon I mean, I've I've seen this twice now in Rashomon once, and and maybe if I you know I watch Rashomon again, it'll change. But I think I prefer that more. Right. Okay. Um. Yeah, I don't know. I was just I was just I'm thinking I'm thinking of the other. I mean, obviously, I'd rate Seven Samurai higher. Um, I'd lately rate Yojimbo and Sanjuro higher. I, I think I think I like this more than Throne of Blood. Oh no, no. Throw- See, this is I'm a bit of an outlier. Though. Throne of Blood is easily my favorite. Ah, but you've got some weird Shakespeare fetish. Ah, uh, but even aside from that, I think it's excellent. Oh, it's good. Don't get me wrong. I think it's bad. I like, I liked it, but I like this more. I, I think this has a, an energy to it that I can, I can really get into. Well, fair enough. So, no. I'm, obviously, I'm sure one day we'll do a top 10, top 20 Kurosawa films once we've, we've done enough of them. 
I think uh, we have to work through enough of them on the show. Oh, we do, we yeah. Yeah, we have to we have to hit a lot of the notable ones before we can before we can do that. Um, yeah. But I'm actually curious. Though. I actually kind of want to go and go and just do my top ten just on my own. Just I just want to see what it is. I so want to see what it looks like. I, I was talking to this about you know a, a friend the other day. I was like, I can do one and two off the top of my head. You know, uh, you know, I just mentioned Throne of Blood. I know my number two. And then after that, I'm like, okay, I'd really have to think about it. But I'd have to really go through it and and try and decide. Yeah. It's tough. No, the the. the Again, I, that's why I say I can put it to Hitchcock is because I feel like those are the two where I, like they have such a huge filmography of like just classic after classic. That's and then some mm. smaller films mixed in that are still probably great, but just don't have the same, you know, acclaim. Acclaim, yeah. Uh, so they're very similar in that sense where you can get to the point where oh shit, I've seen like twenty five movies from this director and there's still another twenty five to go. How did that happen? These guys were workhorses; they were pumping them out. Uh, yeah. Somehow, uh, and then these days it's like, oh, that takes three years to make a movie. <laughs> I'm like, well, you never get to fifty movies if you're making one every three years. I know it's it's crazy that that they you know these these directors have this many films, but at this standard as well. Yeah, um, I, I think it maybe says something that maybe how the business has worked works a little bit differently now. Um, like. You know, I wonder how much overlap there used to be where a director would like, you know, finish shooting, like trust the editor, and then go start working on the next movie. You know, was, was there a lot of overlap? Maybe, like but that? now they're a bit more involved. A bit more involved. There's also obviously a lot more visual effects. And there used to be like, you know, like something like this. There's not really any effects per se. I mean, obviously there's some stabbings and stuff, but it's not like yeah. I mean, obviously this changed a lot with science fiction, especially in the seventies with stuff like Star Wars and Alien and and so on. But um. No, 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 not that there wasn't sci-fi in the fifties and sixties, because obviously there was, but not to the same. But there were there were mostly more B movies and lower class. Almost. Yes, yes. But all of a sudden, you you know you had had these because it it's just really impressive. Yeah, the the, the amount of output is, yeah. they had with the, with the with the typical standard, and if they had occasionally had a dip, you didn't really feel too bad about it. Like, well, I mean, the last ten were all knockouts. It's fine. You can have a have a weaker movie. Yeah, it's cool. Um, so no. Uh, so what was your final thoughts then on Hidden Fortress? Yeah, I, I think it's it's a blast. It's a a really easy watch. Pro- possibly the easiest of, of Kurosawa's to watch. Um, but yeah, you know, I, I think it, it's held back a little for me in that it doesn't aim for any more, anything higher. It's fun, but it's just it's just not quite going for as high as it could. You know, it's hinting at things here or there, but never quite goes for them. I never I mean this just comes down to just how pure, purely entertaining it is, and how how mm. effortlessly it is to just sit down and breeze through it. Like it, it moves so quick. The characters are all super likable. You get them right away. You know they all immediately have the presence they're supposed to have, and you understand them on some level before they even open their mouth. Mifune especially, like his his opening, like he's up at the top of that slope and he's looking down and they're at the bottom of this slope and it's you know the imagery the symbolism of that like them being at the yeah. bottom of the ladder if you will uh, it just it all immediately is there like it, it, it conveys so much information uh, with a single simple shot um, so quickly that it's it's, it's, it's it's just fantastic storytelling because he he, he he makes the points 
again, the word effortlessly comes back, but that's how it feels. It's yeah. just effortlessly. The points are made. It, it, does. it doesn't feel like he's struggling to like get a point across or, oh, we need to take 10 minutes to explain why a character's this way. You just get it. You just get it and you just roll. You just keep rolling. Um, mm. So, with that said, we'll rate the film out of 10. So, Connor, what would you rate Hidden Fortress? Yeah, I'll give it a, a straight 8, which, yeah, uh, I, I think it's it's really great. Hmm. Uh, I'm going to go a bit higher on that. I'm going to go with a straight 9. Um I like it is a lighter film, but I I would never, you know, rate a lighter film lower for being lighter. If it, if it's if it's got the craft that makes it a yeah. great light film, then I'll I'll go with the the nine. And I, I think this is actually yeah, the upper mid level of Kurosawa or the lower high tier. I don't know, but you know, I'd have to sit down and rank them all. And <laughs> sort of where where are those lines? Where are those barriers and thresholds? And then yeah. decide yeah. that. But. Uh, but no, Hidden Hidden Fortress is great. So this was the Patreon pick for the month. Uh, we should mention what that means exactly, because uh, every month on patreon.com slash TV, which you can go over, at the $5 tier, there is a vote for an episode of Influx, as well as there is for streams and for 121 Overload that I do with Matt. Uh, but there's four movies go up, and the patrons get to vote between those four films, and then we'll do the winner. Um, in fact, there was two votes for this month because we crossed a goal of $150, and that led to us doing another bowl film. We've not done it yet, admittedly. We'll be recording that next week, but that's coming because of, of that. Uh, but if you want voting rights and you want to be able to take part in that in uh, the current month's vote, uh, you can go over and check that out. Yeah, don't ask me what the four films are at the time of recording. I have no idea. I can't remember. I was I was going to just put you on the spot if you knew them. There's no theme for this month's vote. It's just four films that um, I've been meaning to watch. Um, so yeah, I, a, I left it up to you this one, didn't I? Yeah. So well, you you can think of any themes. So I was like, well, I'm just going to pick four movies then, and you went fine. <laughs> and then that's pretty we, much we went from there. Um, so you can go over and check out that uh, that that same tier also gets you the streams and the overload vote uh, as well as some other stuff. Um, it's worth mentioning even for a dollar on Patreon, you get some exclusive stuff like one twenty one extra, which is every other month, which alternates with almost cancelled extra. It's like a movie topic show where we have a topic and we just talk about that and that uh, the first one that just went up this past week was about aspect ratios and the shape of the cinema screen and why we have those ratios why is it important and how it's changed and all that kind of thing uh, that was a good hundred plus minute um discussion we go um, that long yeah it was, a, it was a, i think it was bang on 100 minutes actually um and okay. that that is a you can get that for one dollar as well as the the almost cancelled extra from last month you can so you can get access to those uh but if you don't want to support us on there if you can't don't feel too bad you can like subscribe comment all the rest of it all of it helps um to support the show and everything we do so you can do that uh but that is us that is uh that is 121 in flux for for this well it's not even just this week because this is actually going up early in the week because we're still doing makeup episodes here or there to make up for the the lack of episodes in april and may so you'll get another one later this week uh, whether that's on uh, patreon or public youtube either way it still applies so you're getting one uh, on the usual day of friday later in the week but we'll see you then uh, so thank you very much once again for watching or listening we always appreciate it keep watching movies guys and we'll see you next time <laughs>